to a new week. I think this is the new pattern for me. I, it makes it far more manageable for me to set aside the time to uh, uh, do this podcast. Uh, and so uh, welcome to a new week instead of Friday. And that's going to be the change, I think, it, for at least a week. So not real sure how that'll work out. But anyway, I am Dr. Ray Mitz, your host. You are listening to the Psych Monologues. And the Psych Monologues is a podcast that's devoted to exploring our journey toward wholeness and living in truth and grace. <clears throat> at the same time, we want to take a look at and talk about the profound mystery of our relationship with God, with ourselves, and with each other. And uh, this has been a heavy week, I think to, it's safe to say, not only for CCU and even the surrounding community uh for a couple different reasons. One, uh, we continue to have skyrocketing levels, uh, quote-unquote skyrocketing, whatever that is, in Colorado and in and around uh, the Denver area of uh, COVID cases, and that is uh, creating a fair amount of uh, fear in people. And, uh, And so that has impacted certainly CCU as well and making some efforts to crank down the capacity levels of offices and other things like that. And, and that's just that it's part of the deal, I guess, in a lot of ways in terms of what we're trying to cope with. So there, there was that that was percolating in the background last week. And then uh, a beloved faculty member quite suddenly died uh, in, toward the beginning of this week. And it has sent uh, a ripple effect throughout the community of not only students but also fellow faculty members dr bill watson was his name and it was quite 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 unexpected he was teaching one day and the next morning we get the news that he had um, he had died and so there's that and also the the uh, backdrop of changes and everything else and it's just one more reminder of of the world that we live in where we have very little control. We intellectually assent to that. We will say, yeah, I know I don't have very much control, but ultimately that doesn't really stop us from trying to have all the control that we can have and even delude ourselves into thinking that we do. Which leads me to the subject that I want to talk about tonight because I, you know, when somebody dies, we get reminded of Kind of the punctuation point we know that it's there at the end of our lives and other people around us know that as well but we don't really contend with it much until we get reminded of that when somebody near us dies as suddenly as dr watson did and it brings into quick quick uh, contrast the nature of our lives and we assume that it's stable it will never change it will always stay the same and elizabeth kubler ross once said that it robs people of meaning and purpose when they act and and assume that they're going to live forever so we end up valuing the things that are right in front of us and present before us less not intentionally by any stretch of the imagination but it is less because we just assume we will have it the next day and that that's uh, that's a, a telltale sign, I think, of our unwillingness really to grapple with the uncertainty of our time and even the uncertainty of the lives we lead. 
Because the minute that's gone, suddenly the things that maybe annoyed us the most are the very things that are the most endearing and the, the things that we wish for the most. And so what my topic tonight is, is what I've entitled the allure of, a, of certainty. And I ran across an old uh, story that um, I have quoted many times. Uh, and the story is one about a brilliant ethicist by the name of John Cavanaugh that actually went to work at the House of the Dying in Calcutta, where Mother Teresa was doing most of her, her ministry. And he went there trying to figure out how to best spend the rest of his life, which is no small task at any stretch of the imagination. And so on the first morning he was there, he met with Mother Teresa and, and she asked, what can I do for you? What, you know, what are you here for? And Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. And she quite logically said, so what do you want me to pray for? And he voiced the request that, that he had uh, taken, uh, brought along with him for thousands of miles from the United States. And he said, pray that I have clarity. And she said firmly, no. I'm not going to do that. And when he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you're clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity that he longed for, she laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Uh, oh. I think the current phrase that comes out of our mouths when we hear that is oof. It's, it's a gut punch for sure. Because I think lurking in the back of all of our minds is I know I need to have more trust, but where's the trust switch that I can turn on and then I just have it. And see, in the midst of uncertainty, there is a certain allure that comes at us for trying to, to assure some level of certainty. As a matter of fact, I think oftentimes it's sold to us as this idea that life is really only good when it can be certain, when it can be clear. And how many of us have had conversations, and, and I've, I, I can look back through my text lists of people that I interact with and and uh, they they will say so being reminded of some of these changes even the covid related changes so so um when can we get back to normal when we can we get our lives back <laughs> yet that quote unquote normal or the lives we had before this global pandemic hit were equally filled with uncertainty but the, it's like a you know it's like a very badly trained dog. It may be uncertainty, but at least it's my uncertainty. We developed our own methods to fool ourselves into thinking that we had control. Certainty fools us into thinking that. Certainty and, and some measure of demand that we have certainty fools us into thinking that we have control and i might add it actually blinds us from 
the things that I that uh, the things that are going on around us that are subtle indications and subtle reminders of God's movement in the world around us. Now that may not be the way we want it to be, and His movement may not be the way we want it to be, but it is still a reminder that He is moving. See, our demand for certainty shows up in relationships. It shows up in all of our strategies and trying to keep life within our reach. And trust flies in the face of that because ultimately the certainty allows me to not feel the vulnerability that comes with trust. And trust is Obviously, like I said earlier, it's easier said than done. I get it. I mean, I don't know if anybody out there has ever done the trust fall, but I that is the <laughs> that is the greatest challenge I think most anybody will face. And I actually remember at one point in time I had uh, I, I was doing a class at CCU in the in the spring, it was one that I, I did on a regular basis until we got so big that I had to hand it off to another professor. And and it was clinical counseling methods, and the students had to uh, actually adopt or understand a model enough to explain it to us. And one particular student was looking at it from the perspective of or coming at a model that had to do with outdoor leadership and, and uh, some of the elements that that underscore the idea of of the need to trust one another as we as as uh, we take a trip or do an outdoor <clears throat> activity or whatever, and so she literally asked a volunteer to do it. <clears throat> and as I remember watching that, the student that had, uh, I mean, I'm sure she probably regretted her life choices at the point in time when she climbed up on a table. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just from her heels. It was from a table. And she stood there kind of looking at everybody that was in the group that was going to catch her. And it was almost like she was doing a a person by person interview. Now, you'll catch me, right? I mean, you're not going to let me fall and and even when the people said in chorus, virtually, no, we're not going to let you fall. We will do everything we can, which isn't sometimes not comforting. We can, uh, but they will do it. We'll we'll make sure that you don't fall. And finally, she succumbed and uh, cut it loose and fell backwards and was caught caught as she wasn't so sure was going on. And see, those trust falls are something that we confront, I think, virtually every day. Because the things that we do in our relationships with other people, the risks we take to be known, is a trust fall. It's a mini one. Uh, You know, and and I don't think that we would be so bold as to look at somebody and say, you know, now I'm going to share something vulnerable with you. Can I trust you to handle it with care and allow me to say what I need to say without telling me how I should think or no, we would never do that because it would indicate that we don't trust them. <laughs> but we don't trust them. The bottom line is that we just blow into it and give it a shot and hope for the best. And unfortunately, when we do it that way, we really don't discern the nature of the people that we're doing it with. 
See, I, I, I can't use my vulnerability to make somebody be trustworthy. And that's what I mean is my desire for certainty and my desire for clarity oftentimes blinds me from sizing up the, the environment I'm in and <clears throat> choosing wisely, not choosing at all, choosing wisely what I do and the people that I entrust myself to and all of those things. It doesn't mean I don't entrust myself at all. But I think that's usually where the problem comes in is I, either I, I, we fall into this all or nothing thinking, black and white thinking. Either I have complete and utter clarity and I know exactly what I'm going to do and I won't ever make a mistake again. It will always go right. No, nobody will ever question whether I did the right thing or not and everything will just turn out fine. Or the flip side of that is I, I'm not real sure what what I'm going to do or I'm not real sure how I'm going to do this. I know what's right in front of me and I know based on my best judgment what, what that choice probably should be. But... I still am waiting. And see, that's that's another pattern that I end up seeing people under t- kind of use. And that is I'm, they, they are constantly gathering more and more information and they don't want to make the choice, whatever that choice might be, whether it's a career choice or whatever. They don't want to make the choice until they absolutely know for sure, here comes the certainty, that what it is is the right thing. Now, of course, we introduce this idea of rightness into it, and then the question has to come, according to whom? And then we have to confront who's the audience here? Who's the audience? And, I, you know, the last I checked, God has equipped me with a brain. He's equipped me with experience. He's equipped me with a variety of people that, that offer their input. But the final analysis comes down to whether I will choose trust over certainty. And again, even when I say it that way, that doesn't mean it's an all or nothing either or. But I will still move forward into the things that I am not entirely clear about trusting that no matter what comes of it, God can still redeem it. Now, I think something that has to be said is this whole idea of redemption doesn't mean always fitting according to our plan. Now, I think intellectually we can all assent to that. We know that. Yeah, 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 I got that. Except when it comes to me. Yeah. Because when it comes to me, I I, I, I want some assurances here, God. I, I want a guarantee. I, I want to know that this is going to work out. I don't want to have this uncertainty because then I'm not real sure. And then I quit choosing because I, 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 I still am looking for this, this, this unicorn of certainty that's just not going to be there. Why? Because I just don't want to trust. So we, we fall, our, fall into this kind of spiral of looking for this magical condition of certainty for one main reason and that is i don't i don't want to trust things i don't want to trust god's heart i i i, I am more than happy to pontificate <clears throat> excuse me to pontificate and teach about god's heart and his love for me and all of those things but when the rubber meets the road and when push comes to shove which I never, well, rubber meets the road makes sense. I don't know where push comes to shove, but 
when it finally comes down to the last decision, I would rather have a guarantee of certainty than the wonder of what trust might take me into. Because ultimately, no matter which way we cut it, trust will always take us to vulnerability. And vulnerability lays out the road ahead of us to for greater intimacy. It may not mean with, with everybody else, but it may mean with God. Because I learned something new about him because of my willingness to choose trust over certainty. So where does this leave us? I, I you know, I, I don't have any you know, quick answers. I certainly don't have a 12-step program on uh, getting to choosing trust. There is no switch. There is, uh, um, the one thing I know is that perhaps when I link arms with other people and allow them to speak into my life and give me the input that maybe I don't want to hear or give me the input that gives me some additional insight and then make my best call and allow that to play out maybe then i if i keep my eyes open see that's just it and I, this is my last point i guess that's just it is that we're not talking about i were that's a royal we i guess i'm not talking about trust <laughs> That is, close my eyes and hope for the best and click my heels together like Dorothy and Oz, and then I go home and everything works out great. No, not really. I mean, I can tell you from, from plenty of tales from my own journey, I've done that, and it never turns out, I, for me, I don't know about anybody else, forget about how they tell the story afterwards, But I can say that when I have trusted and it doesn't turn out and I believe that the trust really mattered, then perhaps I leaned into God's heart for me. And I I, the jury then is a hung jury. It's it's I I don't know. I don't know. And and in a lot of cases that's the only answer we can give because we there's a reason that the old phrase of hindsight is always twenty twenty. We can Monday morning quarterback all we want, but in the moment there is always going to be this this um, uh, probably overstating it, but this tear between certainty and trust. And I, I my chance of trusting probably is greater if I drag it into my relationship with key people in my life who can support me and encourage me in the face of things maybe not quite turning out, or when they do turn out, it's an absolute lavish, grace-based thing that happens to me that other people can celebrate as well. All of it drives us back into not doing this in isolation, closing our eyes and hoping for the best. And then when it happens, we don't learn a single solitary thing. Instead, we keep our eyes open. And whether it turns out the way we want it to or not, we learn something. We learn something. We're more prone to see God's heart when we're looking for it than if we just hope to be hijacked by it 
I'll end with this one last thought, and that is, which I've made this observation before. <clears throat> you know, in the Chronicles of Narnia, each of the children had a unique relationship with Aslan. And, you know, Edmund had a unique one with him because of his betrayal. And Peter had a different, a unique one with him. And so did Susan and Lucy and all the other characters that marched through the pages of the Chronicles of Narnia. But there was one thing uniquely true through many of the, uh, the stories that Lucy was a part. And that one unique feature of Lucy was she was the only one that always caught sight of Aslan first. And I would suggest to you there was one reason for that, because she was always looking. And I think in a lot of ways, trust opens our eyes to look, to see the movement of our Abba in our, in our lives. And whether or not it, it fulfills what we want, because that's built on, he's only there if he gives me what I want then maybe what I'll see is the lavishness of his grace that is there to be with me in it, maybe not changing it, but certainly be with me in it and be with me in it through those key people in my lives, not by writing, writing something on the wall to say I'm here, but delivering up people who show up at the right time with the words that we need to hear that gives us maybe just a little bit more strength to face what we're what we're coping with. So there you go. Something to consider for a Sunday evening before the week starts out. Something to 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 mull over and uh, ruminate on as the week unfolds. We head into the week before Thanksgiving, and for us. In the academy and in academics, it's the week before break. So we're kind of dragging ourselves through it. So as always at the end, let me remind you of a few things in terms of subscriptions and following us, following me on the website at drmitch.com. I have been reminded that, yes, indeed, there are some social media channels that I am on. You can find us on, on Instagram at the psych monologues, all one word, lowercase, uh, and monologues is spelled M-O-N-O-L-O-G-U-E-S. Uh, on Twitter, it's Ray Mitch, and uh, Facebook, it's Dr. Ray Mitch, and yeah, I never thought I would have so many channels. That just scares me. So anyway, <clears throat> but I would encourage you to subscribe. Subscribe on the website. It's up in the upper right-hand corner. Every time a new uh, podcast drops, you'll, you'll be notified of it through each of those channels. Or you can also subscribe at raymitch.podbean.com. They have a player and, and it will download every new podcast uh, as, as, they, as it becomes available. Um, Lord willing, it's going to be every Sunday night if, if I can hold this schedule somehow. Uh, the last thing, and not the least, is just to partner with us to continue to grow our scholarship fund uh, for the CCU Silent Retreats. We we are in need of partners with this to, to continue to fund uh, CCU students that would like to go on a silent retreat. As it stands right now, it is a fund that um, is growing incrementally, very small, um, but still, it's something to offset 
uh, the cost, which is steep for most college students to go on the silent retreat. We have one coming up in April, April 8th, 8th through the 11th, 2021. Uh, and if you go to C, uh, my website, drmitch.com, and, and click on CCU and drop down to the silent retreat, uh, CCU silent retreats, you'll see all the information that's there. And, and there's a registration uh, form if you're interested, if you're a student at CCU and you're interested in joining us. It's on a first-come, first-served basis, and we've got a growing list of people that are planning to come. Uh, and we continue to have to, or, well, not have to, but we continue, I continue to explore uh, the possibility of offering more than one each semester. Uh, given the, the rigors of our schedule, that may be a bit challenging, although over the summer we might consider doing something instead just to make it more doable. So there are those things. So subscriptions to, to uh, the podcast on the website or through Podbean. Um, or on Instagram and uh, partnering with us for the silent retreats. Uh, and if you know of anybody, just to have them um, come and listen. And if it is of interest and they're willing uh, to partner with us, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So I think that's it for tonight. I pray that your week is one filled with adventure and trust and wonder in God's grace for you. So signing off, thanks for joining me. Have a great week. Love you. Later. Bye.